Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Hey, what's up, everybody? Tyler Cash here, coming at you with another episode of Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. The LA Kings are out of the postseason. The Mexican pizza is coming back to Taco Bell. And I won my men's league uh, Thursday night hockey championship. Not a big deal. How you doing, my bud? I'm doing good. I had a weird, I had a weird fight at Chipotle yesterday. A fight? Like a fist fight? Like like a, a technicality fight. So I don't know if you knew, but yesterday, like they promoted it with the NHL with like Zegris, where it was like come into Chipotle after 3 p.m. to close yesterday wearing a hockey jersey. And you get buy one, get one Chipotle. So I'm like, perfect. I get lunch. I get dinner tonight. I get lunch tomorrow, which is exactly what I did. So I got to the line. Mind you, we're in Southern California. Not the most passionate of hockey fans. It's like almost 6 o'clock, right? And there's like 20 people in the store. Nobody's wearing any hockey stuff. In my mind, I'm like, it's like 80 degrees outside. So let me throw on like a hockey t-shirt. Like it has the logo. It's clearly hockey related. I specifically put this on. I go over there. I order my food. I'm like, hey, I'm here for the promo. I got to make sure he goes, yeah, one second. Let me get my manager to ring it in. Manager comes out of the back and he goes, I don't have to give you this discount. And I said, excuse me? He goes, well, well, technically the fine print said it's a hockey jersey. Mind you, I literally live a thousand feet from this Chipotle. And I'm like, do you want me to go home and walk five minutes there and five minutes back and put on a jersey just so you feel right? He's like, well, technically that's not a jersey. And I'm like, well, technically it's 80 degrees outside. I don't want to sweat. So why are you running a promotion if you're going to really nitpick here? And I told the guy to his face, I'm like, we live in Southern California. How many people are going to redeem this promotion? Like three like, come on. So was he giving you a hard time because it was a blue shirt? I had no idea, but he literally just like rolled his eyes, gave me the discount and like ran to the back. And I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. Like, come on. Pick your battles, bud. Go ahead. Yeah. And, uh, we're not asking for guac to be free, even though it should I be. Didn't even, I didn't even get guac on, on my bowls, <laughs> mind you. So, so anyway. here we're starting off with some, some Mexican cuisine because you got this issue at Chipotle and, and the Mexican pizza's back at I Taco Bell. I might have to make a shift. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking uh, hyped. I'm, you have to order it through the app, but you can order it okay. and get it like okay. a couple of days in advance. So I'm probably going to have to have a drunk eat uh, going on later with, uh, <laughs> with Taco Bell. But yeah, so I won my meds league uh, last week. Uh, nail biter. We won one nothing. Got down to the last minute literally and we <laughs> the other team drew a penalty so we had to they pulled their goalie we were skating a man down already they were just hammering it at all all ends of the ice and it was close man i would i would have lost my shit if we lost it to some bullshit penalty because it was like honestly i think it might have just been a scenario where a guy threw his weight just a little bit more too much into the other player while he's trying to get the puck and it's like come on like we're not intentionally trying to hurt anybody here, but I mean, that's going to happen, especially men's league. Not everybody knows how to skate properly. You know how that shit goes, but either way, longest session of hockey of my life. It was 20 games. I've been playing for eight months since September. Um, Yeah. And then three weeks of playoffs. It was a blast. So shout out to uh, my Thunderbirds crew. Some, some of you listeners actually came out which is awesome. We had a, we had a good crowd supporting us from Sick. the stands. 
So cheers to you. Uh, you know who you are. I appreciate it. I'm um, assuming, did you bring that cup? Was that provided? Like, what, what's the story on that? Oh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and drop that here in, in the edit because I, I feel uh, like it, it should give its, uh, it should be given its proper showing because this cup is amazing. It's, it's a, uh, a replica that's probably, I'd say, three feet, like three wow. feet high, uh, maybe like a foot and a half wide. It's legit. It's good. They, they, they don't let us take it home. Although I might have considering I work in the building, but I mean, on that one, <laughs> no, we took it to a local bar. You know, we, we drank beer out of it. I may or may not have eaten pizza rolls out of it. Um, it was a good time, man. It was fun. It was well, like well-earned, well-deserved. We went 19 and one in the regular season, but that's not even the most impressive stat, Tommy. The most impressive stat is our goalie went in the regular season, 20 goals allowed in Damn. 20 games. Sick. And then in the postseason, he posted a shutout. So technically, I think it wound up being 22 goals in 23 games. So it was a blast. Get ready to start the next uh, session. I'm, I'm amped up. It's, uh, it's going to be a good time. But uh, in the real world of hockey, uh, we got some pretty intense uh, games going on. We had five game sevens in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, we obviously had our choices posted on the website and on our social medias. I, I went damn near perfect. And, uh, so I went, I think I went seven out of eight. You went six out of eight. Um, we'll dive into that as we get there, but we got a little bit of just, you know, some fun news before we break down round one and then give our picks for round two, starting with Carolina hurricanes, legend, Patrick Marlowe has announced his retirement from professional hockey at the age of 42. He played 1,779 games with the San Jose Sharks, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, we're joking. He never actually played a game for the Hurricanes. He was a part of some some sort of trade. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Trade and buy out so we could go to the Leafs, I believe, at like league minimum. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he scored 566 goals, 631 assists. I believe he has the longest still the longest active Ironman. Well, it's not active, but he holds the record for the Ironman streak. Uh, is that correct? Not Ironman. No, that's, that's, uh, that was Gandal. Uh, he has most games played of all time. Oh, of all time. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. And that's at 1,779 games. Hell of a career. Didn't quite get the race, the cup. Um, I know that they put up his mitts in the hockey hall of fame for his final game. Uh, I believe they even like spelled it wrong or there was like some, there was like a mis misprint on it. Yeah. It was 107. It was like 1,779th was what it was ninth games. So it was like the plural games, but also the ninth, but yeah, either way, hell of a career. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. What's what's uh, I mean, congrats to him. Yeah. I mean, hurricanes legend, which is fucking hilarious in its own right. He literally was with them for like less than a day. If I remember correctly, well, they bought him out and then he went and signed with the Leafs, but yeah, I mean, kind of one of those careers, too, where it, it sucks, where he's a good player, just never got anything to show for it from a team perspective, like never won a cup, you know, things like that. But definitely great to one of the greatest to play the game, one of the more durable ones to play the game for sure. And what's crazier, too, is that I just looked this up, assuming Thornton comes back next year and he plays 66 games, he'll break Marlowe's record. And then oh, I, wow. think it, I think it's at a point where I don't know if we'll ever see anyone break that record again, quite honestly. 
because then you're getting into what Marlowe played 23, 24 years. And then I think Thornton would play 24, 25 if he breaks it. So crazy stuff either way. Isn't Zdeno Chara right there too, though? Because I mean, I know they were all around the same age. He's he's about a hundred off. Yeah, yeah. He's he sits seventh all time at sixteen eighty. So he's got ninety nine games behind Marlow, which probably not happening. Probably yeah, not happening. He's definitely more of a bruiser. Like he, I, I don't I don't see him staying in the league as as long as Jumbo. But honestly, if if also Joe Thornton forty five, yeah, and it well if and if Joe Thornton does win the cup this year, why not end it? Like that's the perfect True. ending to a career. He ain't coming back next year, but uh, yeah, hats off to Marlowe. Great dude. We actually met him. He, he he's uh, up at uh, the ice rink every once in a while. Low got a picture with him. He's a super friendly guy. So kudos to him. Great career for sure. Even though I'm not a big sharks fan, I got respect for the guy for sure. Side note, never want to see Thornton raise the cup for we did David Perron with the concussion. Side note, don't want to get off track. Hey, I just want to put it out hey, there. I, I agree with you. You know that I, I, I feel like people don't remember how dirty of a player Jumbo is like capable of being. And I got to be honest with you. I've been watching nearly every single game of this postseason, and I, I haven't recognized him once. Like I haven't seen one thing he's done on the ice. So he's damn near invisible as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he hasn't played the postseason. Oh, has he been a scratch? Yeah, he has no stats for this year. So he's either scratch or injured. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if I were him, I'd still hang it up if I won the cup anyways. It's just the perfect ending of, of that uh, career. But, uh, yeah, moving on. The Penguins fans that went viral. The guy that got rejected in game three went in for the kiss after the goal. And the girl pushed him <laughs> off. Yeah, gave him a, a hell nah. Uh, they got engaged. Congrats to them. Uh, they, went and, uh, they went down to the ice probably prior to warmups or at the end of the game. I think it was like right before was a game six because game seven was yeah. obviously at Madison square garden. Um, kudos to them. I would, I would have thought that they were far from that considering the fact, but uh, I don't know who knows. Maybe the dude reeked of, of beer and, uh, and nachos and uh, was a belligerent drunk that night. So maybe there's a good reason why she shot him down. Very possible, but yeah, congrats to them for sure. So yeah, you you were sharing some some uh, some juicy information, some tea, if you will, about the Arizona Coyotes. Let's talk about this. Kind of kind of hilarious that so the Coyotes, as we all know, assuming I think it technically has a vote in the off season, but assuming it gets approved, like they're going to be playing at the new ASU Arena there in Tempe, that holds like forty five hundred people. So I guess it just was voted on or decided on whatever it was here today that the center ice logo is going to be the ASU Sun Devil logo the entire year. So for 41 games that the Coyotes would play there, they would even have their home logo on the ice. It would be the Trident from the ASU Sun Devils, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, Even more so, there's a good behavior clause. So it allows Arizona State to back out of the deal, quote, if the Coyotes or the owner become the subject of adverse publicity, contempt, scandal, or ridicule, or violating, another quote, widely held principles of public morality, failing to conduct its business affairs with a high degree of integrity and honesty, and or failing to act as a good corporate citizen. Long-winded answer short, pretty much if they do anything wrong at any point, ASU can just pretty much say, fuck it, you're out of here. Yeah, it's I mean, insane. It- it sounds like if the guy walks out of his, on his tab at Applebee's 
on on a Thursday night half price appetizers are going to come from him. Uh, no, yeah. And how ridiculous is it that they had to put that in the clause? That clause in the contract. They're more the concerned about situation. their. They're more concerned about their image than the Arizona Coyotes have been, and that's just absolutely insane. And, and now you said forty one games, right? But assuming they're there for the full three years or what was it? Three, four years, yeah, three years, give or take. They're not going to have their logo anywhere near the ice. What are they going to do? Like have an ad, like, you know, like the, the it, ad that just shows up digitally on the ice. That's what I wonder is assuming it goes well after year one, they're like, well, how much fucking revenue we brought you give us our logo. Maybe they reconsider, but I get for the first year, maybe why it's happening, but also, I mean, props to, ASU and their organization for just basically saying like we're doing you a favor you're not taking things over here this is our turf and you're just gonna deal with it basically and you know what's funny is you know those those college kids that are playing puck for for the ASU uh they would be stoked to see the Arizona Coyotes logo underneath them like they would be pumped about that I mean 100% it's just crazy. Like you said, it's more of a respect thing and, and keeping, making sure that the coyotes keep up with uh, affairs and, and professionalism. Yeah. There's, there's no like way to just redo it real quick. Like thinking like football, even, or something, you could just like repaint over the surface, but like it's ice. You have to like melt all the ice and move the vinyl and put on new vinyl. Like that's just right. not realistic. It, but I mean, they're still putting it together now. So it was like the decision was made prior to that logo actually being on the floor. They were like, yeah, fuck it. But then also, it's something like, they yeah. thought about. Is it something where you like do a joint logo, like half and half, like one side this, one <laughs> side that? You know what I mean? But I mean, you one would think that the NHL would take priority personally, even though they are helping them. It's kind of like if you're, 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 your homie gets kicked out of his house, you know, from his old lady, and you're like, yo, you can stay on my couch. And you can use my bathroom, but no number twos, dude. Do not take a <laughs> shit in my fucking bathroom. I swear to God. Yeah. Like I, it's like it's like terms that you're helping somebody out, and you know yeah. that you got them uh, on a on a short leash, if you will. But um, interesting to say the least. And yeah. I, I mean, we'll see where it goes with <laughs> hockey as far as far as the Arizona Coyotes go. It, it looks pretty grim to me. The fact that they were charging as much as they were for season tickets and then we're looking at just like regular season games are probably going to be out the ass just to attend to make up for that that difference that they're not having those people in the arena it's it's a shit show um but it's gonna be exciting (laughs) to say the least it's definitely some entertainment um speaking of entertainment uh i feel like we should talk about the toronto maple Leafs before we get into the whole crosby situation because it's just too funny uh this stat i had to share with everybody i put it on the fourth line goon facebook tweeted it out. The Atlanta Thrashers and the Toronto Maple Leafs have both advanced to the second round the same number of times since 2004, almost 20 years ago. And I don't even know the last time the Atlanta Thrashers were even in the league. It's been quite some time. Um, Yeah. Between that and the one Leafs fan, we also shared that who lost $779,000 on a bet that would have made him a millionaire thinking that this is finally it. The Leafs are going to get right over that hump. Oh, man, it's just a rough time to be a Leafs fan, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was reading something, too, where the last six years they technically made playoffs. You can maybe not count the bubble when they got kicked out of that first round. But I think I read something where it's like the five, technically the five consecutive years that they've made the first round, and to lose it 
based on the stats and everything, it's like a one in 25 plus thousand odds of that even happening. And of course it's the Leafs and here we are. So, so what, it, where do they go from here? That's the question. I, I saw that Brendan Shanahan is he the, he's the owner, correct? Brendan Shanahan. Uh, I don't believe he's the owner. No, or he's like um, the, the VP of operations. He's, he's, he's a, a big, big suit for sure. He's like, for... he's like their president. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I know he said, they don't plan on making changes. Basically, he said he didn't want to make changes for the sake of making them, I, I believe was the quote, uh, give or take a few words. Um, and then when they were interviewing Matthews and, and Marner, they, they really honed in on the, we're right there. We're, we're just right there. But the reality is, bro, they're not. They're not talking about making the conference final or the Stanley Cup final and just falling short every year. They're talking about being right there of just advancing to the second round. Yeah. Um, where do they go from here as a team? I don't know. That's like I mentioned to you too. Like their top three demon have all sort of no trade, no move clauses. So you got to convince them to leave. Do they want to leave? Who the hell knows? Giordano's out, probably retired, most likely, after this year. And, you know, at that point, who are you bringing in? You can't really move your – can't really move your D-men. Just change things up there, I feel. And then on the forward front, you can't move John Tavares, no movement clause. Everyone else is up for grabs, but who makes sense? Like, if you were to trade a Mitch Marner, are you going to get real-time results back, even though you free up $11 million in cap space, basically? Probably not. Are you going to trade Nylander, who's making under $7 million and as soft as he might have been in that series, he, he produced pretty well? Probably not. Are you going to move Austin Matthews? Probably not even on the table for any offer whatsoever. It's just like, I don't know what you do. The only thing you can do is change up your depth, really. But again, I don't think the depth was the issue, personally. I mean, it was in terms of maybe not producing, but also the flip side is when it mattered most. Yeah, there were what two assists from their top four guys and kind of ghosts the whole game seven. So, and, and to be fair, that game seven against Tampa, it was Nick Paul. Nick Paul, I believe, is his name that wound up registering both goals for Tampa. So one could argue Kucherov, Stamkos. Yeah. These guys went quiet too. It was just a a hard fought series. I think you mentioned don't why blow it up. You were this fucking close to beating the, the, the reigning Stanley cup champs. Like, I mean, don't blow it up completely, but you also said there's not very many changes that can be made. You got these guys with no movements. I'm pretty sure Tavares has a no movement. Hindsight being 2020, you probably don't make that move again. You're, you're paying this guy, what? Nine and a half mil. And he's aging and he's, he's, he's not really providing any sort of offensive effort other than just veteran leadership. Right. Which that yeah. can't be worth all of his paycheck. I mean, I mean, the way I look at it too, though, is like, you think you can really hang your hat on. Like you lost back-to-back cup champions this year, year prior, you lost the Canadians who had no business being there yet. They made it to the cup final year prior to that you got kicked out in the bubble round against the blue jackets which is embarrassing on its own then you lost to boston two years in a row uh, i think both game sevens which is hilarious in its own right uh and then prior to that they lost to the capitals like the capitals back in 2017 were a good team but they didn't win a cup or anything i mean point being is, like it's, it's right there but they've been right there for six years and haven't gotten it done like at that point what do you do i, I don't know so it's a 
it appears that the thorn in the it appears that the thorn in the Maple Leaf side is not the Boston Bruins, but in fact, just getting out of the first round altogether. First itself, yeah. yeah, you're talking Blue Jackets, Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals. It's just basically anybody that can can hang with them seven games. I feel like a lot of Maple Leafs fans knew when they were heading to game seven, even if it was at home, it wasn't going to look pretty. It, it, the odds were definitely not in their favor as far as past experience goes. Um yeah, man, it, it's hard. And I think, isn't Jack Campbell uh, our free agent? Like, they're going to have to sign him now as well, like the goaltender situation, and he's going to want a payday. I mean, that's yeah. definitely yeah. a tough time, you know, when it comes to being um, a Leafs fan uh, and, and dealing with their cap scenario. But uh, you know what? This isn't in our notes, but let's tie it into this whole cap scenario as far as the Minnesota Wild goes. I've been arguing with people online constantly all week about the fact that they have what nearly $15 million, as you mentioned prior, that's going to be dead cap next year. So they have to roster an entire team for under $70 million. They have Kevin Fiala who's yeah, he's underperformed, but he's going to be a free agent. Regular season is point per game. Gotta be a playoffs. Just not what you wanted from him. But yeah. Right. And then, you got guys like Bukestad and Jordy Ben who are that they're basically rounding out your bottom six, right? You need that depth to score. And they're somehow talking about re-signing Marc-Andre Fleury after alienating Cam Talbot, which it's like Cam Talbot went, I'm pretty sure 13 Oh, and three in his last 16 starts with the Minnesota wild going into the playoffs and then as soon as the playoffs start, they just they go, nah, dude, forget that. You're not our guy. We're going to start Flurry. He has the experience, which is just an absolute slap in the face. And yeah, dude, such a shit show over in Minnesota, man. Like uh, they have already the 15 million from, is it Suter? Yeah, Suter and Prese buyouts. So next year it's it's 12.7. And then okay. the following two years, it's 14.7. So basically you want the cap going Oof. up a million next year. They basically have to fit in $69.8 million. That's their cap. That's their ceiling, basically, which is <laughs> yikes. Yeah, especially when you're a team that you think you're contending with right now. As you said, I think it was the last episode you, or two episodes ago, you were like, this is their chance. Like, yeah, <laughs> Go and, all in now. And, and what's crazy is, like, hypothetically speaking, you know, Fiala's gone. That's $5 million. Delorier and Bugstad are gone. That's another basically $2 million. You know, you're at seven. <laughs> Jordy Ben's gone. You're at seven point nine. Even Flurry gone. You're at eleven point four million. You're still, you're still under, not there. Still under the cap, and you want to resign Flurry. You can't resign Fiala. Who are you moving? Are you moving Caprisos? No. Are you moving Joel Eriksson? Maybe, but he just sounded like an eight-year deal. Jordan Greenway, maybe he's a three million dollar player. But it's I not, mean, this, he's not going to move the needle. Like the it, only, the only option I think that makes sense and you can't do it either. is like, you look at their D Jared Spurgeon, no movement clause, Jonas Brodine, no move Dumba. clause, Dumba, 10 team, no move clause, Golagoski, no move clause. Cause he's a veteran. Kulikov modified, no trade. Like, there's, what do you do? Man, I guess if Dumba only has a 10 team, he's got to have a high, Cap. six it's, it's it's only six. for a year so i mean that's that's the most likely guy i i, I would think but 
Yeah, Yikes. they're they're gonna look completely different next season. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about you and me sending tweet after tweet at each other, text after text about this scenario. Basically, multiple sources were confirming that Sidney Crosby had sustained a concussion. We learned now that that's not entirely the case. This was uh, from the hit from Jacob Chuba during game five, I believe, right? And yeah. he, didn't, he didn't play in game six. He returned in game seven alongside Yari and Raquel. Uh, it wasn't enough to win the series. The Rangers went on to win it in overtime with a big one for Panarin, his third uh, for the postseason, uh, which I want to get to that and talk about how we're finally seeing Gaudreau, Panarin, these players that have been horrible in the postseason in the past, Kaprizov stepping up and finally being these, uh, these roles that they need. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, the Crosby situation, man, you know where I stand on that. I, if he was really concussed, then it, it's hard to understand why you would force him into that game. And I feel like if it was any other team and any other player, people would be losing their fucking shit. Like if it were if the Vegas situation or, or anybody really, or even Tampa, like a team that's known to win. But I feel like the scenario was pushed because, We've learned now that Malkin was lowballed. We learned that Latang was lowballed. We heard that Brian Rust was lowballed. These three players are probably not coming back. And they they sat Crosby down and they said, "Bro, this is our last shot at this core. Do you have it or do you do you not?" Is is, is how I saw it. At the end of the day, though, I guess he was he was fine. Um, but the, it the real situation that I thought was the wrong call was Yari. Right. He limps into the, 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 the postseason interview and he's got the, the ice pack. He can barely walk to me. I thought that was the wrong choice. And if Crosby was really good to go, then so be it. Yeah. I mean, Yari, for what it's worth, not the issue Penguins lost by, by all means, just to make that clear from, from my perspective too. I mean, Raquel did nothing. Crosby got an assist. But the, the interesting aspect is like when, when we were going back and forth on it, the, the situation that, that I had was, I don't know why in my mind, maybe because it happened mid-game, game five, I thought it was immediately, it was, I don't know, it basically left my mind where I didn't realize he didn't play game six. Yeah, I thought I, it was just I, like I a it. travel day hey, and then game hey, seven, boom. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad we're both there because when we were when we were being hot-headed and yelling at each other, basically, I forgot that too. Yeah. And and you threw that at me, bro. You were like, if that were the case, then why'd he sit out a whole game? I was like, oh, fuck. I completely forgot about yeah, that. I'm, and, I'm and, too much of a man to admit it. And then you get to a point <laughs> where, you know, it happens. I think it, was, I think it was a day game, I think, for what it's worth, against the Rangers game five. Or early early afternoon, whatever you know you want to call it, but you know we had all that day. The following day, game six, game seven, travel day, game sevens. So that's basically four and a half days to get cleared if he had a concussion or not. But the interesting aspect is there's rumors going around that he was also cleared for game six. He just had a headache concern, which with his history you have to watch it, and he was cleared. And from the rumors that are out there. Hextall, who interestingly, it's just an interesting dynamic where he used to, you know, be the, the guy who played for the Flyers. He's now the, the GM of the Penguins. He was cleared to play, and Hextall said, No, you're not playing game six. It's not happening. So then, assuming that's the case, had two more days to get even more right, play game seven, and 
still wasn't enough. But yeah, that's crappy that it happened to begin with. Respect to, to that. Respect yes. to that. Because it, it's not a good look if you're you're forcing a player to play concussed. Yeah. That's just yeah. not not good. So for him stepping in, that that's that's an awesome way to approach it. I had no idea, and that was my main concern. Was we're trying to build this league up to be better than it was. We had these players, previous players that are stepping up, saying that they have a hard time even holding a job after being in the league because of these concussions. So you, you have to you have to take it seriously. Yeah, and and like that's the that's the tricky part too. Um, when it comes to the protocol, like I, I went fucking pull the protocol to like be like, dude, this isn't the case. It's a situation where and it, you have to understand that both sides knew it's happening. They updated the concussion protocol, and there's no hard and fast rule. It's not every step, twenty four hours. This needs to happen. Everything says. Well, it should happen in this time frame. Not it has to. Well, it, he, he should wait a day before he does this. He should wait a day till this happens. In the regular season, and this is where I think the tweets came out where it's like there's two sides of the tail when it comes to concussion protocol, regular season, and playoffs. But in a regular season, there's 82 games. You're probably taking a little bit more time to make someone safe long-term versus, okay, we're down 3-2 in a series and we're now down 3-3 in a series. We need to bring them back. You're probably going to skirt, not skirt steps, but expedite the process. Not saying that by expediting the process, you were missing anything, but assuming it's followed, the steps are followed, maybe not necessarily in the way that they should be in terms of time frame, and all of the tests from baseline, from physical are all being good, good signs, essentially. Let, let the guy play. He, he knows the risk that he's taking. Again, I don't think that ends up being the case here, quite honestly. But at that point, if you are cleared and you know the history you've had with a head injury, as crappy as it is to say, Crosby's, what, 35? He probably doesn't have a whole lot of peacocky left in him, maybe a couple more years. He understands what he's putting himself into. He gets paid to play these games. And if everyone's clearing him, doctors, independent neurologists, it's up to the player. That's how I see it. Because if, if I remember correctly, like when Perron was out into reference, like the Joe Thornton hit, I'm pretty sure he was cleared for like a few months. He just never felt right playing. So yeah. there's just different dynamics to it always. And there's, you can never predict it. And they and they took the extra game off to to make sure he's okay with the extra precautions. It makes sense. And and how you worded that makes a lot of sense because you have more time, right, during the regular season to evaluate somebody. Kind of like, hey man, take these, call me in the morning. And if you don't call me in the morning, we'll we'll touch base next week. Like we yeah. we would much rather you be healthy long term. Yep. And in the postseason, it's not that they're being negligent necessarily, but they're they're keeping more of a close eye on him. Instead of being like, let us know when you feel better, they're probably hitting him up every hour on the hour. Hey, you have a temperature. Are you dizzy? Are you nauseous? How, how's your equilibrium? Are you, yeah. are you able to do this? Like, like you're, yeah, you're right. under a microscope, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how I would hope that things are, are going down. I, I just was very um, – I was chipping back because everyone was shitting their, their fucking pants whenever Robin Leonard was riding the pine pony – whenever he he needed an elective quote-unquote elective shoulder surgery and people were losing their shit they're like oh they're forcing this player to do something he doesn't want to fucking do and it, it's just yeah it's frustrating you know coming from that as a, as a golden knights fan but first and foremost like i said i laid it out in the tweet 
my my first priority is to make sure that these players are are healthy. And when you have somebody like Crosby, who's who is a generational talent, so fun to watch. He's helping grow the sport. He shows up at all the right times. You don't want to see that guy relearning how to tie his skates. That yeah. that that was just my two cents. Um, so before we get into our round two predictions, uh, we're gonna take a pause real quick uh, to uh, thank our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back at it with our round two predictions. Hey now, what's up goons? Tyler Cash here, and it's time to pause the podcast and chat a bit about our amazing sponsors over at Schlafly Brewing Company. Hockey and beer, does it get any better? I don't think so. Schlafly has been brewing up some of the best beer I've ever had for many years, and it's officially that time of year for their famous Raspberry Hefeweizen. It's one of my personal favorites. Their Raspberry Hefeweizen distinguishes itself among others in that it's a true fruit beer. None of this fruit-flavored crap. It uses real raspberry in the brewing process. Once the fruit sugar ferments out, the aroma and flavor stay in, making this a delightful, drinkable beer that's not too sweet or tart. It's refreshing and balanced with a natural, hazy pink coloring. Because it's low in alcohol, it brings out a smooth dose of weediness, and it's perfect for summer, it's perfect for any time. Download the Schlafly app or visit schlafly.com to locate and devour yours today. That's S-C-H-L-A-F-L-Y dot com. Schlafly Beer. Drink Mo Beer. This podcast is brought to you by One in a Million Handyman Services Incorporated. One in a Million is a family-run local company that's been serving the Las Vegas, Nevada area for over 15 years. They are licensed and insured throughout Clark County and travel as far as Boulder City, Henderson, Las Vegas, and North Las Vegas. One in a Million specializes in smaller home repairs, but also tackles commercial repairs. They've worked around the Strip, residential homes, commercial buildings, you name it, One in a Million has made their mark. With a 4.5 star Yelp review and countless of happy customers throughout the 15 years, you can guarantee you'll be happy with their services. All previous customers can refer an unlimited amount of friends and family for a $25 referral credit, which would come off of any future projects and or repairs if they decide to use one in a million. This offer also extends to the fourth line goon listeners. Mention this podcast and you will receive a $25 referral credit that will come off of the total cost of your repairs. One in a Million is open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and you can find them on the web at oneinamill.com. That's J-U-A-N-I-N-A-M-I-L-L.com, or you can also find them at one.inamill on Instagram. One in a Million Handyman Services won't let you down. Check them out. All right, so before we get to our round two picks of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I feel like we could lump these two bits of information uh, news as far as the Vegas Golden Knights goes. Uh, their head coach, Pete DeBoer, has been relieved of his duties, effective as of yesterday. Uh, some people were shocked. Some people were not. Some people thought it was a long time coming. Um, I'm kind of somewhere in between. I think it's weird that they waited two weeks to make this announcement. I thought for sure as soon as, as soon as somebody like Barry Trotz announced that he was relieved of his duties in the Islanders, it was just going to be a matter of a couple of days. Um, but here we are a couple of weeks later and they let him go and they, they made it perfectly clear 
uh, when they made their press uh, release that it had nothing to do with performance based. I think the quote from McCrimmon himself was something along the lines of, I think anybody would agree that his tenure here with the Vegas Golden Knights was uh, very successful, which is a, a weird quote. And I have my own beliefs as to why that that was said. I know it was hard for them to let him go, but clearly they, they need some sort of identity, as Foley said a couple of weeks ago in his uh, interview. I believe it was something crazy like variety or business. It was, it was a big name, right? Because this guy makes big bucks and he's a big deal. And he said, yeah, to be, to be completely honest with you, I'm going to be very active and I'm going to fix the identity of this team. And basically from there on, they let him go. Uh, what do you think of this move? Why do you think they made this move? And do you think it's the right one? Yeah, I mean, Vegas is, I feel like, used to turnover at this point, so it's nothing new. It's a situation that I think it's a combination of awkward seasons, underperformance, injuries, whatever you want to say. I just don't know if he's the right voice to be the guy to get them to where they need to be. And I think you have to kind of shake it up because at what point are you putting the emphasis on the players when you look at it, there's like what three, maybe four guys left from the original expansion roster from five years ago. That includes the trades, right? It's just, I think a time to just go in a different direction. I don't think his style necessarily suited the Knights quite well. And I think that might've been a little bit to it also, but that's that's my take. You know more than I would. Well, it makes me nervous because Trotz is a very similar style. And I was telling you that. I mean, you mean you were kind of arguing a bit about that. It's a defense first mentality where you, you kind of rely on your blue line. Obviously, they have Shea Theodore. They have Alex Petrangelo, um, Alec Martinez. They have McNabb. These guys that are veterans that have won cups, you know, cup, cup cups, multiple cups. And they're peppering it on, right? And it's not quality shots, not quality opportunities. It's just there. It's spray and pray mentality. And Barry Trotz would kind of make me nervous because I feel like it's a little bit of the same and they might not have the right personnel to get the job done. Um, my thing is, I don't think Pete DeBoer ever had that room. I don't think they ever, the players ever really wanted him there. And, and this is just pure speculation. Um, they loved Gallant. Right. And he, he was canned after basically like a six game losing streak, which happened multiple times during this past season. And one would have guessed why, why wouldn't you have let DeBoer go middle of the season, shake it up then. Right. And they held on to him until they absolutely couldn't anymore. And, um, you know, without dissecting it much further than that, I think that their reasoning is not necessarily to get a new voice in the room, because I think that they've been aware that they needed that for quite some time but it might be to make certain players happy. Um, Bradley Smith is a, is a free agent that has not negotiated his deal to our knowledge yet. They haven't announced him. Uh, clearly the Robin Leonard situation is a question mark. You know, they don't really know who's going to be their starting goalie next year. Like if you brought Leonard and Thompson both back and you had DeBoer coaching them along with spots and the rest of their coaching staff, and you have the same guy, He's going to have the same take. He's really not going to be able to wipe his mind completely clean to the past and, and approach it as a new season. He's just not. And I think that to make all the players happy, make them all comfortable and really feel like they're getting a clear slate with a healthy roster, yeah. the right the right move is to, to get a new coach in there. And, and Pete DeBoer kind of had to be 
the one that had to take the the grenade, if you will, in that situation. It, it just never felt right because he's the coach of their their number one rival, and that just always feel felt weird for me as a fan. Can only imagine how that how that felt in the locker room. Not only that, I mean, side note, it's Jack Eichel's what seventh coach in his seventh year, so take that for what it's worth. But just something to keep an eye on. Going to make somebody happy. It's probably some guy like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jack Eichel had enough time there to really get rubbed the wrong way. I, if it had been another season or even half season, I could understand that. I think this this move was made purely to make certain individuals that were on the roster or are on the roster happy. That, that's that's why I'll leave it at that personally, because like I don't like to be out out there spreading rumors, especially when it comes to that team. And, and let's not forget when I spread the rumor about Pat Maroon. Uh, signing uh, with Calgary and his brother chiming in. And we all, we all know how that ended off because I was wrong. So we were very, very careful about these rumor situations. We just like to kind of give our opinions on, on pure facts, which by the way, Pat Maroon has now won 13 straight playoff series. Madness, absolute madness, just to add that. But I, I don't want to, I don't want to steer too far from this. Um, also Captain Mark Stone, he's finally getting the back surgery. He probably should have gotten months ago. They put it off as long as they could. He was seeing a specialist. He's probably going to see a chiropractor dealing with all kinds of, of different treatments. And eventually he figured out, Hey, I'm just going to get this taken care of in the off season. This is the longest off season. The Vegas golden Knights have had since being a team. I hope he comes back hundred percent. I really do because it was, it was obvious that he, he wasn't comfortable out there towards the end. Yeah. Back injuries can be tricky also. So hopefully there's enough time to where he can have the surgery, get the rehab in he needs and be hundred percent going into the year. Otherwise it's going to be who knows for him, at least next year, but you hope that the timeline's good and everything is good with that for sure. You, don't, you never want to see a player hurt long-term. Well, and he think they think he's going to be back in, in time for training camp, which is interesting because when you, when you think back surgery, you think of basically what Jack Eichel went through five to six months worth of rehabilitation after a major surgery. So hopefully, you know, Eichel referred him to his doctor because Jack looked amazing. I, and I, and I do want to chime in on that. We won't want me to talk much, but people shitting on Jack Eichel when he got 15 points and 19 games towards the end with a broken thumb and everyone's like, boo hoo, excuse, excuse. Dude, try to play with a broken thumb, try to do anything with a fucking try to jerk off with a broken thumb. It, it, it's, it's impossible. Like it's, it's not, it's not going to go flawlessly, especially something that you've learned your entire life how to, how to do, you know, like play, like the guy needs that hand to play hockey properly. And the fact that he played through that injury because they had no other fucking choice and still managed to be almost a point per game player, I think it's impressive. So it makes total sense. Cause I was joking about it too, where his goals that he had, or maybe outside of a couple, you know, he didn't shoot the puck. It was like, he picked up the rebound or, Here's my stick. Let me tip it in, you know, deflection type stuff. And that makes sense, but just what it add. Yeah. So they'll come back healthy. They're going to have there, you know, it's more is going to come. More changes are going to happen. We still don't know who's going to be coaching the squad. We really don't know who's going to be the starting goaltender. Always exciting to be a golden Knights fan to say the least. Um, but yeah, as far as our round one choices, you were off by two. You said that the pens were going to take it. They almost did got down to the wire. And as you said to me, it took a third string goalie 
bunch of beaten up guys to make that happen. And if you were the Rangers coach, you wouldn't be happy. Um, so with that being said, moving forward, how do you feel about them with Carolina? I just, uh, it's hard not to pick Carolina if I'm being honest. I mean, as a Rangers fan, like, yeah, you're still came back from a three run deficit and you're going into round two, but looking at it from a more generalized approach, it's you beat a third string goalie and then a goalie that came back hasn't played over a month with still seriously injured, broken foot. <laughs> You're, you know, Sturkin had a 3.66 goals against average. Sure, he outscored his problem. Do you think that's going to hold up going forward? I don't know. Am I excited about the Tony D'Angelo storyline there? Absolutely. Wait, wait, but, wait, wait, what do you mean absolutely? You're happy be, for the guy? I'm excited about the storyline. He used to be oh, a ranger. Fuck that. Fuck he used that to be guy. a ranger. I know, that's what, that that's guy, what I mean. Oh, that, that's that guy, what I mean, though, okay, the animosity. That guy, yeah, I'm not that guy happy for even, him. Okay, good. Just I'm happy for the guy. drama that can come from that. Okay, so. fair. Yeah, he's going to, every time he touches the puck, he's going to be booed way more than Brad Marchand was in that last series. And with good fucking reason, the guy's, Honestly, I'm I'm just not even going to beat around the bush. Bush, he's a piece of shit. Like the guy's not tight. I can't believe he's still in the league. And for that reason alone, don't want to see them advance. Uh, I think it's interesting that you flip flopped. You thought the Bruins could beat them, but now you're saying that the Rangers can't. I uh, so you're going to go Carolina on this one? Yeah, I mean the Bruins played a pretty solid series. I feel like where the Rangers, assuming Jari's healthy. Assuming, I mean, again, assuming Crosby doesn't get injured, assuming the next guy where a hel- the guy's helmets get taken off of his head, that should be a penalty, understands the rule and doesn't have to leave the ice. Yeah. I, I'm not happy if I'm a Rangers fan about our chances going forward personally. And I'm not saying that because I hate the Rangers. I really am indifferent towards them. Just what positives do you have that come from that series besides – Oh, Panarin showed up in a big game. Cool. And our team rallied back from 3-1 against AHL caliber goaltender, quite honestly. Sorry, Louis Domingue, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So my my thing with Louis Domingue is he catches right, and I think it threw them off because he was the third-string goalie, and they weren't very prepared for that. There were a lot of instances in which Zabinijad had a wide-open net or per se anybody, and, and he was able to glove it instead of it being just a blocker that probably would have sailed underneath. Mm. I know excuses, excuses, but that's a weird thing to deal with. Like it, NHL, it's a big NHL caliber players just be able to make an adjustment. I, it's not well, like and he, they did. Uh, they did. It just took him time. I be, I was saying that for a long time. I said they figured out Domingue, Domingue, whatever his name is. Uh, they figured him out. It just took him some time. And that last game, Threw him off too because it's Yari and he's he's gonna be Yari, right? He's a big guy, plays a big game, and you're throwing in a goalie in game seven that you haven't played yet. And yeah, I don't know. It uh, very, very fun series, and that game seven was the most watched game seven in NHL history, which is insane, right? You gotta think like that didn't even seem right when I said that stat over. I was like, what about like a game seven Stanley Cup final? Like, did is, did it really beat out? the situation I, I don't know it apparently it, it i was. think it was specifically the most watched first round game okay ever, okay first round that's okay. my understanding okay yeah because game seven stanley cup final when you that's insane it, it shouldn't even compete with that um i i'm here's my take on 
the the Hurricanes, and we were both wrong. Let's let's make note of that. We picked the Bruins to win. And if I I stand by this, if Jeremy Swayman had started Game One and not Markstrom, who did, you can't really blame it all on a goalie. I think we would have seen a much different outcome. Personally, uh, I think Swayman played out of his mind in that series, and uh, moving forward, that's definitely something that they need to consider. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 23, so if you're going to consider it, I think now's the time. I mean, they bought Olmark as well, so that's a different thing for them to discuss, but I don't disagree with you. But it's a tough series. I honestly, after like, even like when they tied it up, I was like, I don't, I still, like at that point, I still didn't have a lot of faith in the Bruins. And I feel like later in the series, the Hurricanes kind of more imposed their will than the Bruins did. Obviously, that's why they won, but. Yeah, that's my take. But also, Every, you know, everybody that doubted us can fucking fuck off, though. We it went game seven. A lot of people I were saw, like four and five. Yeah, and, yeah, let's be real. That was a hard fought series, and if Jeremy Swayman was first in net, I really do think we would have had a different outcome. So, with that being said, moving forward, you know where I'm at. Rangers all the way, baby. And I think Shasurkin finally warmed up. There was a weird stat. Uh, it was after the first period, he was like lights out. So basically, these goals. We're coming very early, and I don't know if it's his nerves, if he just doesn't have that kind of experience, whatever the deal is. But I think he's warmed up. I think that's a that was a big win. Um, you know what? Hey, while we're talking about this, do you think that goal was high sticking or not? Was that was that Gensel that kicked the puck up and then knocked it out of the air? It's awkward because, like the way I saw it, it was like half the puck was above the crossbar and half the puck wasn't. And like, where did he actually hit the damn thing? And it's one of those things that's like my immediate, my immediate thought was like, whatever calls on the ice, there's not overturning it. That that's what's sticking. There's just not enough clear cut evidence to overturn it. So if they called no goal, it would have been no goal. If they called goal, it was goal. They called the goal yeah. and that's it. I, I personally couldn't, I still don't know exactly 100% where it makes contact with the puck. But again, there's no defined rule about that. If, if this much of the puck is underneath the crossbar, but he hits the top part of the puck, is that considered under the crossbar? Like, is this an offsides thing? Like, like, how does this all play out? It's not defined. So I think because of that too, like, there's no, there's no way to rule what was called overrule. Sorry, what was called right. on the ice? So you know, give him the fucking goal though. Like one of the most insane goals I think I've ever seen in playoff hockey in general to kick it to himself and yeah, knock it's it out of the nasty. air. Like, I mean, give it to him just strictly based on that alone. That ref was probably like. Holy fucking shit. Good goal. Let's fucking go. And as you said, it's hard to overturn, which by the way, I love how they have that funny ass angle where they say they're in Toronto. And I don't know if this is actually in Toronto, but they're like all the angles. Right. And it, I feel like it's like, um, a weird Dr. Evil thing where it looks like an evil lair where they're deciding whether or not this goal counts. I don't know if that's actually in Toronto or not, but I love that little addition to it. Seems like a deal or no deal, right? Where they yeah, call the guy yeah. and they're like, and he's like, Oh, he's the boss. and He's going to give you an offer. That's, that's kind of the vibe I got from that. hundred percent. I wanted to say before we moved on, cause it's worth noting as well. Fucking Jake Ottinger out of his mind, obviously lost to the, the flames in seven games. Dude had a, 0.953 save percentage in seven games, which I believe is the highest save percentage in a round for a goalie that's played the whole series ever. And he lost, which is yeah. nuts. So props to him. I think it's safe to say, assuming he stays where he's at, no one's going to miss Ben Bishop down there. 
Yeah, Jake so. Ottinger is nuts. Like that yeah. that was just wild. Like I think everybody agrees that, but how are you gonna win a game when you had like nineteen shots on goal? The, yeah. The, the only... <laughs> it was under twenty or something like that in overtime. Like ridiculous. Yeah, the only um so from a entire serious performance, I don't think I've seen a better goal team performance. I think the only individual performance that comes to mind that takes it that takes the cake for me and you're not gonna like it is the Demco. Uh, oh, situation yeah. against the Knights, absolutely yes. bonkers. Yeah, he he was he was a madman. But once again, the Knights had horrible quality shots. It, yeah. It's it's a weird shitty stat because quality over quantity, right? That's just how it works. That's what kept the Dallas Stars in the game for as long as they did because they had Robertson fucking sinking shit, and I think even Jamie Ben had a decent shot on that. So at the end of the day. You could fire. I think it was over 120 shot attempts yeah. on on him. It was it was just insane. And, and then and the, yeah. and the Calgary fans with the the oh my magic next yeah. to the bench, dude. I I love that so much. I I call them the um the children uh, the the goblin children. I said the goblin children casted their like the offspring their... of the great cornholio. In all honesty, <laughs> they look like the the sand the, the Ewoks the from Star Wars with their beady little eyes underneath their hoods yeah, and yeah. yeah. I I gave that quote from role models. I said that they casted the the spell of unbreakable madness. It just reminded me of LARPing and, and role-playing, but I yeah. loved it. And clearly, it fucking worked. It got to him. It got to Ottinger, and, and he lost the game. So they should get the assist. Yeah, the, fair. The, go- the goblin children for the assist, for sure. Fair. So we're on that topic. So you have Rangers. We'll go back to the playoff for round okay. two. You have yeah, Rangers. Yeah. I got Hurricanes. Okay. I, I don't want to go D'Angelo by any means. I just don't personally see it. But – Moving on, we brought it up, Flames-Dallas. Let's move to it. Battle of Alberta, first time in 30 years, I think, that it's happened, or right at the 30-year mark since this has happened in the playoffs. As crazy as it sounds, I'm not hyped. I don't know if it's going to live up to it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not going to get bloody. Like, I mean, Cassian has basically been a ghost. I I remember there was a stat from uh, World Hockey Report. Shout out to our guys. Um they said that Connor McDavid was leading the team in hits last se- last series. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? Which it's hard to believe that Tortorella didn't get under his skin a little bit because Connor McDavid had himself a series, 14 fucking points in seven games, like finally showing up, you know, when, when they need him to. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be crazy. And on top of that, you have a high ankle sprain from Dreisaitl, which is like automatically bad. Do you... Do you sit him the first game or two and, and hope he comes back full strength? Right. Or do you get him at like 65% and hope it works? Either way, my prediction is Calgary. And I don't even think it's going to be as impressive as we think it is. I think six, like max. I Part of me even thinks five. I I, I, I just don't see Edmonton competing with this, even, even with McDavid firing on all c- cylinders. Because now you got Johnny Gaudreau, who's finally being that, postseason hero so yeah my my prediction is definitely the flames i i and i and it's because i don't think that aggressiveness is really going to be a factor yeah side note i was looking this up and it's pissing me off that it's happening they don't track they, they track hits during the game but you go to individual player stat page now you can't find stats anywhere. yeah they don't it's have it on i saw garbage. it on, it's not on nhl yeah it's but garbage. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure at least unless they're lying to us 
that they said Connor McDavid was leading the team in hits at that point, and it was in Game Seven. I can easily go back and look at it, but but I mean, at that point, what is Zach Cassian fucking doing, right? And then what is Lucic even doing, like for his team? I mean, like at this point, we're seeing that playoff is more about Lucic had an assist, Cassian had a goal and assist, but again, I just don't. The only the, the only X factor for me is how much does Matthew Kachuk get under yeah, Oilers? I was gonna say with Cassie or, or play or fucking do anything because yeah. he's got four assists in seven games. He's got to show up. He should he, I mean, he scored game seven for what it's worth. Oh, he did. Okay, he so scored, he, did. he got so, he got the monkey off his back. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, that was that was that fucking snipe. So maybe yeah. he opened it back up too. So, so where are you at with that though? It's it's very conflicting. I'm going I'm going flames. I just I I don't know if I can trust Mike Smith in this round. Like he already showed me yeah. can't be trusted a few ways last round. I don't know if I can trust him into this round. And Markstrom is fucking Markstrom. He had almost eight shutouts. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a hell of a first round as well. I think he what he went yeah four and three obviously seven games one point five three goals against and a point nine four three save percentage like gaudy numbers. Granted that series was low scoring, but I just don't. I don't know if I can take Mike Smith going to the Western Conference Finals. That'd be mind blowing to me. I I don't see it either. So I'm with you on that for sure. Um, and moving on, uh, we have Blues versus Avs, and the Avs are a massive favorite, massive. And I think that's fucking stupid. And that's coming from a person that really doesn't have a dog in the fight anymore. Said from the very beginning, I was with you. Along the way, I know people are chirping me. They're like, oh, well, what team are you cheering for? It's like, dude, it's playoff hockey. I'm cheering for basically any team that I don't want to win, and I don't want the Avs to win. I don't think they're any scarier than they than they were last season. And I think the Blues, what were they, nine, as you said, nine 20-goal scorers? So like that, I, that's I, insane. I, I put together something, and I'm bummed they didn't get any traction, but it was like I just don't see the mass – the mass – disparity here so you have team a which team a had this number two power play unit and the number five pk unit the only team who was top five in both mind you all season scored 309 goals only allowed 239 goals had nine players the 20 plus goals and four point per game players that's team a pretty pretty sick team b had the seventh best power play unit so lester there the 15th best pk unit so middle of the pack lester there 308 goals for one less than team a and 232 goals against seven less than team a team B also had seven players with 20 plus goals. They had granted, they had five players who were point per game players. Team a is the blues with better special teams, more scoring slightly less defense, slightly less on the defense side, which you could easily attribute to Bennington, et cetera. And the depth is there on both sides. Like, I understand that the Avalanche won the conference. I understand that, you know, they have star power like McCarr and McKinnon and Landeskog and Rontanen and Kadri's having an out uh, fucking stellar year. Like, that being said, just look at the stats on paper and take names out of it. Like, I just don't see it. It just blows my mind. Like, I'd be very shocked if the series doesn't go six or seven games either way. And in my opinion, obviously, I'm pulling for the Blues, and rightfully so, but I just don't see it. I'm going Blues. 
Are you so you're you're telling me you're going blues, right? I'm, I'm so I'm similar to I think what, what Ryan Whitney said. I think the winner of this series wins the cup, barring the only exception would be as if they just get absolutely physical and you have something where like McCarr can't, you know, is is iffy or McKinnon's iffy or O'Reilly and Falker, you know, banged up going into that third round. It's possible. Yeah, the blues have but, already dealt with being injured. So that's that is a big question mark. And plus Bennington. Is he, I mean, is he the man? I mean, are you going to have to turn to Huso again? That That's yeah. a little bit more of a question mark. I say blues and seven. I, I think it'll go the distance. I don't I don't think it'll be quite as shocking as uh, the, the Knights last year. Um, and this is going to be one of those things where everyone's going to call us stupid, like that are not sure. blues fans. But yeah, I think if it goes the distance and – and everything lines up the way it is. I, I, I think it's the Blues. I really do. I don't think the the Avs have what it takes. I, I so my only concern is I think if the Blues win, it has to be in six with the mile high altitude and having to go back there for a seventh game. I just don't know if the gas will be in the tank if you get it to a game seven, or you don't win it in six and you have the chance to, whatever the case may be. So if the Blues win, my opinion, it's in six. Cool. Otherwise, any other outcome I think is the Avs. Ooh. I th- Okay, but I, what's your final what's your final answer though? A blues and six is my is obviously okay, bi- so blues. bias. But, uh, I, yeah, but no, no, but removing bias, we have to put our picks here. You're you're on you're in it on blues. Still, I get the like the statistics I pointed out. Like I just don't see yeah. I don't see the disparity in everyone else. I, I'm with you. I, I think it's gonna be the blues as well, um, personally. So the only one we didn't touch on was Panthers Lightning. Yeah. So for what it's worth, what's going on right now? So what it's worth, <laughs> it's going it's, on while we're recording this game one. The third period just started. It's one 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 one. Oh one one. Okay. So, uh, Ducks legend Corey Perry scored, and then Duclair oh. Duclair scored, I believe, for the the Panthers. For what it's worth, both even strength goals. Or excuse me, Campos was a power play goal. Ooh. But okay. Yeah. And one, they're one. they're they're power play scary as fuck for sure. One one. Florida obviously has home ice. What's what are you thinking? I think it goes to Florida. I, I, I truthfully do. Um, the big X factor is Braden Point. Suffered that really bad injury last game. Uh, looked bad. He tried to fight through it. I don't know if he's playing right now, but he, he, he tried to play and he was wincing. And I know it was, it was very highly doubtful he's whether not, he would. Not yeah, playing. he's not playing. And he was, he's like their guy, man. He He's yeah. like the the diamond in the rough is a guy that you didn't expect to score that many goals. And he's just fast. He's a Let, fucking freak lightning. You're going 11, seven today too. 11 forward seventy. Yeah. And, but also being said, the Florida Panthers have a horrendous power play. If I remember correctly, Which, like they, so it's horrible. It's over 18. Yeah. From the first round, they're over two today. So it's over 20. Yeah. And I think what's crazy is I think they had a top five unit. In, in the regular season, which is even more astounding if my memory serves me correctly, but it's just, I just yeah. don't know. I don't know how you go for 18 in a series and win, if I'm being honest, but uh, fuck if I know. <laughs> fuck so what, know. What's, your, what's your prediction on it then? Assuming Bobrovsky doesn't shit to bed, I say Panthers in seven. So are we in a c- complete agreement? Are we, were you four for four? So we're flames. We're blues. No, 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 no. We're different with Rangers hurricanes. That's oh, different. Rangers and hurricanes again. Yeah. Okay, cool. So keep it a little bit exciting. There you go. Um, 
So that's our predictions for round two. We did pretty well round one. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you haven't uh, went back and uh, listened to that episode, please do. It's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, all that great stuff. Uh, we were, we want to answer a couple questions before we end this episode. It's a little longer than we normally do, but we really appreciate your support. We want to make sure we get to as many people as we can. Um, World Hockey Report. What's up, guys? Who do you think will coach the VGK? Uh, as we heard today, Barry Trotz is pretty much pinpointed potentially to Winnipeg. He's going to interview everywhere. Part of me thinks it might be just hardball. Maybe, but Barry Trotz makes way too much sense because he won the cup in your barn. I don't think they're going to settle for anything less than a guy that's won a cup. Why? Otherwise, why fire DeBoer? Uh, I think it's going to be Trotz personally. Uh, they could just go middle fingers to the sky and say, we're going to hire Joe Quinville, which would be insane because I do truthfully believe a lot of people deserve second chances in life. I don't know if it needs to be this soon it's kind of the same way that i believe that tony d'angelo needs to keep grinding in the league and showing he's a decent human being before he wins a cup so part of me doesn't really want to see that but yeah i dude it just makes too much sense uh for it to not be trots in my opinion trots is from winnipeg it's i mean i feel like it's always been a, it'd be a dream to coach your i don't know i, I don't want to say childhood team because i moved to arizona but to coach the team in your hometown that's one thing too I think the other thing to consider is like there's big openings too. You know, you have the Islanders to work under Lou Lamorello is pretty sick opportunity. Granted, it's not going to be trots. You have the Red Wings and their storied franchise and be able to turn that around further with Stevie Eiserman. You have the the Knights, you have the Flyers. There's a few openings here. So it's not like it's even big teams, not like you're just competing against like smaller markets. Like the Jets, you have the Flyers, you have the Islanders, you have the star power on the executive front too and some of those teams to woo you, if you will. And I think the other thing that's tricky as well is the stars with Rick Bonus. He's pretty damn old. He might be out. I think his deal's up. But I don't know if he's going to be back there. So that's another potential vacancy. I personally said what I would love as a fan that just wants to see the world burn, I would love to see Mike Yo end up as yeah, coach fuck. of the Golden Knights. <laughs> I fuck you on that you just want to yeah you want to see me fucking on the ledge with uh my dick in my hand and a fucking noose around my neck that's what that's what you want to see uh <laughs> I, like the way the way i see it is, guy's not a winner he's not a winner i don't even think he's got a job in this league personally had, you've had some pretty high caliber in terms of names coaches that, that have come to the knights and haven't done well maybe you go a different direction but that's my thinking you know i think that's important i think that's a great thing too because I'm a little nervous about trots like in his, in his approach to the game. I think that the Knights need to remember what it's like to have fun again. They were the most successful when they were doubted the most and they, they bonded the most and they need to, they need to work on that. They need to, and they need to let them, they need to let players like William Carlson explore more offensively. Reminds me a lot of like Cole Caulfield, right? Like they get rid of the coach in, um, Montreal and then he just starts lighting up the lamp I, I just think you need creativity you need to let these guys I'm a, I'm a peacock captain you gotta let me fly so you know I, what I think would be the biggest shock in the world outside of Quinville for the wrong reasons because fuck that guy for just hiding whatever happened there imagine Mike Babcock in Vegas yeah think, I, think I, about saw, that. 
I saw Babcock as, as mentioned. Um, and then obviously, you know where I'm at, which is funny that I, I want somebody to come in and have fun. And I, and here I'm going to preach Tortorella, I think would be an amazing, I just think he's an amazing coach. Like, I, I think he shows a lot of passion and a lot, they need to have somebody in that, that locker room that they believe in. And he might come in and be like, Hey, I'm fucking awesome. Let's, let's, let's do this together. Right. I, I don't know. He's had my, some time off, so we'll see. My dark horse would be Claude Julian. Personally. Oh, okay. Like from he, the, he, from he, the got, Habs. he the Bruins and the Habs. The Habs fired him within a playoff spot. It was like fucking weird. Yeah. Like really weird situation. Uh, I think like at the time, like analytically, they were like the best five on five team in hockey and you can your coach like the fuck. That would be a cool one. Personally. That's why I, if I had to choose someone who's not like a big name, I think that's the guy I'd want. Okay. Uh, one more question from the Brian Lewis on Twitter. You said the Buffalo Sabres return to playoff next year. Yes or no. I think it's hard to say no. <laughs> they, they had one of the best records towards the last stretch of the regular season, adding Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs was huge. And, you know, getting rid of a guy like Jack Eichel that wasn't very happy in his situation and having a reason to rally behind it was great. Got Jeff Skinner lining it up. The only question mark is who's going to be in net. Are you going to put Craig Anderson in net at 41 years old? I mean, I don't know. He, he did play okay, but you're going to have to at least upgrade your, your goaltending, I feel like, to be a contender. But I think they might be able to – they might be able to bump. They might be able to slip in. I don't see it. There's really? still too much disparity between the top eight and the bottom eight in the east. Like we saw it in the, in the standings. It was pretty nuts, I think, where it was what? There was like a 16 point differential between the bottom seed or the eighth seed and the ninth seed, which is insane. And you look at like the West, where there was a three point differential between the Predators and the Knights. It just there's too big of a gap there right now. The Islanders aren't getting better. The Blue Jackets aren't getting better. If I had to pick a team, honestly, in the bottom six that has a chance of making playoffs next year, my money's on the Red Wings, personally. I could Again. see that. I could see that, but another thing you have to consider too is the Penguins. Like, what are they going to look like next year? You're, not, you might be losing Rust. Concerned. You might be you might be losing Rust, Malkin, Latang. You pissed off Crosby. Yari's got a busted foot. You don't know what this, the state of the Smith is. If I don't know. I can see the Penguins missing. The penguins lose Latang, Rust, and Malkin. They're out. They're not making playoffs unless they somehow pick up these guys like random replacements. They have that that give, that gives them what twenty million in cap space. Well, I mean, apparently they fucking offered them each basically three I'm, three I'm by a, fives. I'm aware of that, yeah. yeah. But I don't foresee you piss off Sidney Crosby. He's still with your team. He's not going anywhere. Right. He wants them to make a push for these guys, keep the band together. That's a maybe. But you're telling me that the Penguins with their window closing and having Crosby in his prime for at least one more year, possibly two, assuming all's good on on his front. No way. No way they're not making playoffs next year. I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised is all I'm saying. I think if we're gonna see a, a good push from the Sabres next year, having that, that too identity. many bottom feeders in the east for those teams not to make it, in my opinion. Fair. All right. So before we wrap up, um, we want to thank you guys so much for checking us out. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. That's the most important to us. Trying to grow our YouTube channel, uh, add us on Spotify and, and Apple podcasts and all that great shit. But I'm going to conclude this episode with a question to you, Tommy, because I was arguing with a buddy of mine 
Uh, we were arguing whether or not we think the odds are more in favor of Marc-Andre Fleury signing back in Vegas, or is he going to sign back in Pittsburgh? If you had to place a bet, where's your money going? Where do you think he's going to end up? If there's a possibility of, both, of either of them. If the possibility is there, my I'm, I'm just looking at, at cap stuff quickly. And in terms of who's in the chart, my money's my money's on Pittsburgh. That, that's my take to have to think of getting rid of Leonard or pissing him off even further. Yeah, you, you got to move Leonard if you're going to pick up. It. You're you got to move Leonard if you're going to pick up Flurry. That's the only thing. And, but I would say there's a better chance he comes back to Vegas. And that's I'm trying to move the bias. Obviously, I got I got my chance back here, and I'm a big ass fan. I get it. But trying to move bias, I think he wants to retire here. I think he wants to have a job in the office. Fingers crossed he comes back, and if not, then moving forward. But thank you guys so much. Appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. Later, everyone.